Hope you brought your Bible. I want you to turn to one verse today. We'll look at a lot more. And that is in Romans chapter 10. If you could find that, Romans chapter 10. And while you're turning there, we have some cards. I want everybody to have one of these. Brother Tim will help me get those dispensed. And we can just pass those out. Excuse me. Romans chapter 10. On September the 12th, Brother Bruce Fry will be with us. That's two weeks from today. Bruce is is an evangelist. He's a singer. Most people know him as a singer. He's a singing evangelist and uh, has a real gift for not only preaching the gospel, but making it very simple. And so he will be preaching on that day and singing. We'll give him the service. We'll sing a little bit and then turn the whole service over to him. Most of you have heard Bruce before. Some of you haven't. You're really going to be blessed. But for those of you that have never heard him, those of you that have, I want to ask you to do something. And you can look here on the card. It just simply says, I will be one. I will invite one. And there are some lines there. Say, I will commit to pray for the following people to attend on Sunday, September the 12th. And I would like for you to to put that in your Bible, not as a marker, but maybe even during the service. Maybe you already know some people that uh, one family, one couple, um, one family unit that you could pray for and ask God to help come. You want to pray for them and that you would invite them. So 14 days uh, so that they could hear the gospel and we could fill this place up with people that need the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you today about faith and uh, maybe God give you the faith to believe him for that to happen and to give you the courage to make that happen. I don't know about you. Some of you may be like me, but I've never been good at, at technology. In fact, it frustrates me. Um, Maybe I'm just an old codger. I know some people that are older um, learn it quick, but I, I can't even learn it quick. So if I have trouble with my computer or phone, I just get my eight-year-old grandchildren to come in and they fix it. Or I call somebody else that's younger than me. Uh, Daniel's a go-to guy on staff. Don't call Tim. Uh, call somebody else besides us. Actually, Tim's better at it than I am. But there's one area that has really helped me uh, in my life with technology, and that has to do with Bible study. When I uh, first began to write sermons and lessons, I used legal pads. And so I would take these legal pads and write down all of my notes, uh, copious notes. And I tried to, uh, maybe it's just I, I count things. But um, I tried to imagine how many pages that I had written, and not in a precise way, but just kind of in a ballpark way. And I'm sure that I have written multiple thousands of pages uh, on legal pads. We had a preacher here named John Phillips. Now, if you, some of you don't know that name, John Phillips is one of the uh, leading uh, commentators He's written books on almost all of the books of the Bible, thick books, commentaries. And so years ago, I invited him to come preach here, one of the the best preachers and best writers. 
and a, a very introverted man, but an excellent preacher. And so I had him here, and I, I prepared some questions to ask him. And I discovered that he wrote every everything that he put in his commentary. He didn't type anything. Now I would take all of my notes and call those notes, and then I would I would type. Now, when I was in high school, I had typing in the ninth grade, and then in the tenth grade, Butler High School was the largest high school in the state of Alabama in terms of of student population. And so I was a tenth grader, and I was the best typist uh, in the high school, and they sent me to represent uh, the the school. And so I, I went in there. I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll go do that. I, I guess it was because of hand-eye coordination playing the piano. I don't know any other reason. Uh, I really believe that was it. And I remember I went in there, and I was the only guy in there. Now, how does that make you feel? Besides effeminate. But God saved me because I was used to a manual typewriter. All the other kids were fighting over the electric typewriters. They were new. That's how old I am. They love to hear that hum. I love the manual typewriter. So I feel like I'm speaking in tongues right now to a lot of people. <laughs> have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, clickety clack clack clickety, and you'd hit that thing and return it, and have to set the tabs. And and I, I could fly on that thing. I mean, it was it was fun. I had never used an electric typewriter in my life. I walked in that contest, and they put me. All they had was electric typewriters. So I, I said, well, I, I'm about to learn. So I put my paper in, and, you know, they had the little thing there. I started typing. The second line, I hit the return button, and it got stuck. And it zzz, 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 and the whole thing went up, and I just turned it off, and, and I never competed. And I found out what the person that won was, man, I would have slammed them. And then I realized... Well, God didn't want you to win that thing. Can you imagine what it had been for a guy in a room full of girls to win that thing? I said, no, I, that's right, God. You, you saved my bacon on that one. So anyhow, that's how I did it. I'd take these notes and write. And I had a, I have a callus right here on my middle finger from holding that pen. And until the day I, I die, I'll have that thing. So meanwhile, back to John Phillips. I remember I was in his hotel room, and he had this, this big pile of paper. And, you know, I couldn't look over his shoulder at it. I said, hey, Doc, what's that over there? He said, oh, that's my commentary. I think it was on Daniel. It's my commentary on Daniel, handwritten. He's writing this thing. One of the most famous people in the world in terms of writing commentaries. And it's all handwritten. So we went out to eat for lunch. I said, well, I noticed that's, that's written. I said, do you write? He said, oh, I write every. I don't type anything. I said, you've got to be kidding. You don't type anything. He said, no, I, I handwrite everything. So me and my boldness, I said, well, I want to ask you. I've never met this guy besides this week. And very prestigious. I said, Dr. Phillips, I want to ask you a question. I said, do you have a callus on your finger right here? Can you believe I asked him that? I said, do you have a callus? He said, oh, yes. And so we compared calluses at the lunch table right there. <laughs> so for, for years and years and years, that's, that's how I uh, prepared my sermons. And then the computers came out, and then I learned about word processors. 
And then I discovered that you could correct your work in time. You could save it. You could delete whole portions. You could move it. And wow, you talk about saving, saving time. And I love that. I thought, boy, this is the best of the best. And then about, I don't know, maybe 15 years later, it got even better. I mentioned Brother Dave Drosty earlier. Dave came to me and he said, hey, I, I found these little uh, Bible study resource programs on uh, CD. You know, you can put it on your hard drive on your computer. And immediately I shied away from it because I'm just not good at it. I don't know how to put it on there. And then once you, you have to go through all the hoops. And I thought, well, okay. And I learned to use it. And that has, has been such a blessing to me in helping me to not only save time, but to get more done in a short period of time. And so I don't use the, uh, the legal pads anymore except for some to-do lists and things like that. And the reason I'm telling you this is I was able to grow in an important area of my life. And so I want to talk to you this morning about, about growth in the uh, a crucial area of your life, and that is in the matter of your faith. And that's the title of the message is, is How to Grow in Faith. Now, one of the foundational areas of being a Christian is, is a matter of faith. And the good news is that you can cultivate your faith. Now, last week I gave you a, a big idea, and I want to give you that idea again, and it's this, that the quality of your life and the effectiveness of your ministry is determined by your faith. I want to say that again. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, this is not true. But if you love the Lord, if you know Christ, the quality of your life and the effectiveness of your ministry is determined by your faith. And do you believe that? I'm going to show you that in a moment. I believe that. Now, here's what that means. If that's true, and it is true, that means that if you increase your faith, that you can increase the quality of your life and the effectiveness of your ministry. It's not about gimmicks. It's not about technique. It's not even about your personality. It's about your faith. Now, faith is not something nice to have. Let me, let me say this. I don't want to be legalistic about this, but sometimes we talk about sharing our faith. And what we mean is we're talking about sharing the gospel. I'm not trying to be too technical about it, but it is important. People don't get saved by me sharing my faith. Now, I know what people mean when they say it, okay. But in a technical way, they don't get saved by me sharing my faith. They get saved when I share the gospel. What Christ did, not about what I believe... Or, or my journey, they get saved by the gospel. But, but your faith, what you believe about God, and where He has taken you will determine the quality of your ministry, or the quality of your life, and the effectiveness of your ministry. And as you trust God, as you rest in God's promises, it only deepens not just your life message, but the quality of your life, and the effectiveness of your ministry. Sometimes we look at people and we mimic the surface and we, we, we ignore the depth. That's why people that have gone through hardships and responded correctly, not just with good attitudes. And by the way, the, the attitude is a byproduct of, of faith, of trusting God. And at the core of it is a faith. 
not the educational institution. I'm not against education, but that's not the issue. It's not the personality. You hear a preacher that's got a lot of charisma. He's got all kinds of dynamics. That's not wrong, but that's not the issue. And so we copy the copy. We copy the wrong thing, and it's your faith. It's your faith. That determines the quality of your life, the effectiveness of your ministry. So do you have faith? If you have it, is it increasing? And let me show you some things about the importance of your faith. Just a list of some things. First of all, faith is the way that we're born again. I'm going to go through these quickly. Faith is the way that we come to Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Now, it's the grace of God that saves me. But I can know about the grace of God and not be saved. The devil knows about that, but he's surely not saved. You're only saved through faith. You've got to receive that gift. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The only righteous thing that you can do is believe God. Because that's not a work. Faith is not a work. Faith is the way you're born again. Now here's a heavy verse, but it's, it's precious. Look at Romans three twenty one through 22. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any... I'm sorry, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? That means that you, you receive the righteousness of Christ applied to your account when you trust Christ. And notice this, that, that, that faith is unto all. That means that everybody can be saved. There's not a limited amount of people that can be saved. It's unto all, but it's only upon all that believe. It's exclusive to those believe, but it's inclusive of everybody that would come. God invites everybody. But notice what it says. It's by faith unto all, but it's upon all them that believe. There is no difference. The righteousness of Christ is applied to your account when you believe and you receive. And that happened to me on February the 18th, 1968. I trusted Christ as my Savior. I was nine years old. I asked Him to be my Savior. And as a little boy, my account from heaven changed from sinner to saint. And I became a Christian. I I was talking to someone recently and... um, a good friend, and and uh, they were in, in AA and and so forth, and God had helped them with some things. And I said, you know, I appreciate some of the healthy aspects of AA, alcoholic anonymous. But I said, one of the things I don't like is, as I understand, is uh, at some of the meetings is my name is Rick and I'm an alcoholic or I'm a what whatever my addiction is. And I said, the Bible says we're saints. I'm a saint. Even the Corinthians, whose lives were a mess. Paul said, I'm writing to saints. And I says, we operate out of our identity. And I said, I, I don't need to have that, that weight of sin on me. I, I've been writing that. Some people say, well, that will make me haughty. Oh, no, not if you realize it's a gift of God. Romans 4, 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. Look at this. His faith is counted for righteousness. 
Have you ever, listen, have you ever put your faith in Christ to be your Savior? When did you do that? Maybe you say, well, preacher, I've always been a Christian. No, God, God doesn't have grandchildren because your mom and dad were saved or your grandparents were saved. God has children. And he, listen to this. If you can't remember when you became a Christian, how do you know that you ever did? A while ago, I said I got saved on February the 18th, 1968. Now, you don't need to remember the exact date as long as you remember a point in time. You remember, you remember that red chair in the living room? You remember when it was raining outside? Here, here's where I'm driving at. Do you remember some of the events? Do you remember where you were? You don't remember. The, do you have a time and a place? That's the issue. Faith is the way we're born again. Secondly, faith is the way we experience God. That's the way you enjoy God, the way you experience God. Four times in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. This is God's means. Don't miss this. If you want to experience God, you experience God by faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's just the first part of the verse. It's impossible to please God with that faith. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is who he says he is, with his names. And then the Bible says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that he's worthy to pursue in a diligent fashion. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You must believe that he is, that who he is, he says he is. And that you will pursue him because of that. Faith is the way you experience God. You don't experience him by your senses. There, there's a spiritual mysticism that is not healthy. It doesn't mean that sometimes you can't feel good about God. Or you can't hear a song and not cry. Like it's not Aubrey came in, she left early this morning for school, and Paula and I were pretty much weeping, going back for senior year. I mean, we felt that deeply because we love her. And sometimes I weep when I hear songs about Jesus. But you don't experience God through your senses. That's a byproduct, perhaps, but it's of your faith. And some of you do not pursue God, you do not diligently seek Him because you don't believe who He is and you don't please Him because you don't trust Him. Look at this verse, Colossians 2, 6, as we have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. You see that verse? How do you receive Christ? By grace through faith. That's how you received Him. Now how do you walk with Christ? By grace through faith. You live for Jesus the same way you entered the kingdom of God. And you walk in the grace of God and you live by faith. If you're a Christian, God will not let you live for long without putting you in tough situations. It's going to come anyway. But he will wreck your plans. He will get you to the place at the end of your income. And the reason he will do that, he wants you to know, I am your source. Look to me. Somebody said that faith is not learned in comfortable surroundings. 
we came home from vacation. Aubrey came home a night early. She said, Daddy, there's a little wet spot at the bottom of the carpet. And uh, I said, well, go, go look. I think the air conditioner, it's not freezing up because we still have some cool air. But something, go look in there. She said, there's a little bit of water. Said, well, that's what it is. So we came home the next night. And I went in there and looked. And I said, yeah, that's it. But I said, I said Paula, come here. I said, look at this. It's, it's, it's like it's going uphill, you know, where the drink. That's not right. So I got the light on my phone, and I, I got over there as good as I could with my back. I got a bad back. And I said, can you look back there and kind of help me? And she said, I can't tell. And then she, she was cleaning up some of the water. She said, Rick, it's the water heater because the water was hot. And that's exactly what had happened. So for that time while we are gone, the water heater slowly at the bottom. You know how that goes. That water heater, uh, Gary Adams and, and, and Dave Ross, he put that in in 2001. Man, that thing had lasted 20 years. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I'm serious. Praise God. God gave me 20 years out of that water heater. So we got to get a new water heater. So we... we Built a little dam back there, and you know, so we, it was at night. So we'll go get water here the next day. So I could tell Paula was a little bit down, and I said those magic words to her that I've, my daddy told me so many. Me, hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Well, this time it didn't work. So I thought, well, this will work. So, hey, come over here, and I just put my arms around her. And I hugged her and I patted her on the back. That worked. Oh, yes. And I said, hey, God, God will take care of us. Guess what he did? He does. God takes care of his children. God has called you to walk in grace by faith. That's, that's what the sum of the Christian life is about. So if you're in a tough spot today, don't start kicking and screaming. That's the nature of the Christian life. And thirdly, Faith is the way we receive answers to prayer. This is why you need to grow in faith. James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Prayer involves asking. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Upbraideth means he won't scold you for coming to him. He's a father. I love that. But when you ask, and it shall be given him, but... When you ask, let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Ask in faith. And does that mean every time it's like, oh, I know I'm going to get this? Because sometimes we pray, say, God, I know. And then you say, I think. Remember in Mark uh, I think it's in Mark 9, I believe it is, where, where uh, the man came to Jesus and, and he had a boy that was sick. And, and he said, Lord, I believe you can. And then he said, help my unbelief. And, and, and Jesus loved that. You see, sometimes, sometimes in every bit of faith, there, there, there's a little bit of doubt. Now, I know what it says here. Not, he that wavereth is like of the driven uh, wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. There's a strong faith, and then sometimes there's weak faith. 
You may have some weak faith. And sometimes I'm, Lord, Lord help my unbelief. I, I do believe, and I'm walking towards you. I'm walking with you. But in your prayers, trust God. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 29. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. So they're blind. They have a need. When Jesus was coming to the house, a blind man came to him. And Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then Jesus touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. That's very plain. According to your faith be it unto you. I have that underlined. It's a good verse to memorize. So faith is the way you receive answers to prayer. And then the last thing is faith is the way you accomplish the work of God. Jesus' ministry headquarters were in Capernaum. When I was in Israel, I thought about this verse when I was in Capernaum. In 1998, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58, the Bible says, And Jesus did not many mighty works there, that is in Capernaum, because of their unbelief. I want you to look there. I wonder how many mighty works he hasn't done for you because of your unbelief. How many things he could have done for you, but you didn't trust him. Can I say that sometimes it's not what he does for you, it's what he does in you. It's easy to thank God when he changes your circumstances, but maybe he's changing you. You know, one of the names that God has given to us as Christians is believers. Acts chapter 5, verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Believers. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, of the believers. Are you living up to your name? Are you a believer? Well, yeah, I trusted Christ, but are you still a believer? Are you still believing? What are you believing God for? Last week I gave you a verse in James chapter 2. It said that we're rich in faith. You not be rich in money, but you can be rich in faith. And when we're rich in faith, you don't need a lot of money. Now, I'm not health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. doesn't mean God's going to give you a $250,000 car. If he wants to, he can. But that's not that you don't pray for that. That's, that's a carnal prayer. But you can be rich in faith, and God will provide what you need. And my heart for you is that you would say, God, increase my faith. The disciples in Luke chapter 17 and verse 15 said, Lord, increase, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Now, I've been teaching you that there's some things that you do every day. You make these investments every day. And as you invest in these things every day, that you, you become that over time. So the question is, is how do you increase your faith? How, how do you grow your faith? You grow your faith daily. Not by coming to church on Sunday. That's a part of the whole. But you don't come to church every day. And sometimes you come to church, but you don't do the right things while you're in church. Now, every Christian can develop a stronger faith by practicing two principles on a daily basis. And I just want to give you one today. Two principles every day on a daily basis. You'll have a stronger faith. And let me give you the first one. And I want you to do this this week. You do this every week, you'll, you'll have a strong faith. And here it is. 
If you want to have a stronger faith, number one, discover God's strength and character through a daily time in God's word. And this is, this is, how, this is how you cultivate a strong faith. Now, I can tell some of you are disappointed because you wanted me to give you a vitamin. Or you wanted me to give you a little prayer to pray. Every day, every day, every day, discover God's strength and his character. This is what you're not just reading the Bible every day. And I put the words in here in a specific order. I didn't say read your Bible every day. I didn't say that. Now you have to do these, you have to do that to do what I wrote. But discover God's strength and his character through a daily time in God's word. And listen to this statement. You do not build your faith by trying to have faith. You strengthen your faith by focusing on the object of your faith. Did you hear that? That's life transformative. It's simple, but it's true. You do not build your faith by trying to have more faith. I want to grow in faith. You're not going to get it. A strong faith is a byproduct of focusing on the object of your faith, which is God. When you know God, you get a strong faith. When you know your Father, you have confidence, you have assurance, you have conviction. And here's the verse. I had you turn to Romans 10. Here's the verse. I think it's a memory verse we put in there. Look at it. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, the word hearing doesn't mean just hearing a sermon. I've heard some preachers say that it doesn't say by reading. You got to be in church. No, that's not what it means. It, It includes that. But you hear the word when you read it. I hope you do. It has the idea of understanding. Faith comes by hearing the word, by understanding the word. And hearing by the word of God. But it's not just familiarity with what the Bible teaches. Now, on Wednesday nights, if you've been coming to over here to the Bible survey, that's been excellent. That will give you a command of your Bible. Now, I don't want to disappoint you. You will understand how to study your Bible. But you won't have more faith by taking that course. It will help you to study your Bible so you can have more faith, but you can, you can get a certificate for that course and you won't get more faith. Because you're learning content. Content does not build your faith. What builds your faith is the object of your faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is a substance. The substance, that means that which is concrete, that which is assured, what you have your confidence in. Faith is a, faith always has substance, something concrete. That's the promises of God and the God that gave those promises. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence means proof. I don't have it in hand. There's something that I need. Now, the substance is my God and His Word. The evidence is, I think I know what I need. I have kind of a shadowy outline sometimes. Or maybe I know specifically what I need. I need this bill paid, and I know exactly how much it is. God delights to pay that for you. 
That's it, but I don't have it in hand. But the substance is not the money. The substance is a promise to provide that money. Mainly, Beasley, a great man of faith, here's what he said. Faith acts as though a thing is so when it is not so in order for it to be so because God says it is so. Now, that's a little bit clumsy, but it's true. I'm going to read it again. Faith acts as though a thing is so when it is not so in order for it to be so because God says it is so. That's really a good statement. Because my behavior is not determined by my circumstances, but my my God who has made the promises. So now watch this. Faith is not governed by my weakness. It's not governed by my emotions, but it's governed by God's strength and it's governed by His name. Because my emotions change. You know, years ago, I want you to listen carefully to this. Years ago, I got this settled. I, I don't doubt my salvation. <clears throat> Some of you doubt your salvation on a consistent basis. And here's why you doubt it. Because you want to feel saved. And I've had people, I'm not mad at you, but here's what you'll tell me. I don't feel safe. Well, what does that feel like? I'm not being, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just being honest. Well, what does that feel like? I haven't thought about what it feels like to be saved in decades. In decades. Not because I'm a good man, but because I learned not to live by my emotions. My father is Cotton Johnson. I just don't feel like I'm your son. I, I just don't, I don't feel it. Well, what does that mean? There's a family likeness. There are some common characteristics and there are some family likenesses with my heavenly father that are concrete. I love the family of God. I love the word of God. And you know, sometimes I, I feel good, but a lot of times I feel sick. Sometimes I feel miserable. Sometimes I feel discouraged. If I base my salvation on my feelings, if I base my spirituality on my feelings, I will never have faith. Faith is not rooted in my experiences and my emotions and my feelings or my weakness. Well, I can't do that. I I just never could do what you do, Rick. I, I really don't have a gift of speaking. Well, neither do I. Well, I just I can't invite anybody to, to come here, Bruce. I'm, I'm not good at talking to people. Well, neither am I. Can you be a friend to people? Can you talk to one person? Can you just be kind? You can do that. Because you do. You already do that. You see, the devil makes us think we have to be this super-duper Christian when it has nothing to do with spirituality. And there's this, this fog, this, this thing that doesn't exist, this caricature. Let me give you some scriptures. Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I change not. God says, I don't change. My character doesn't change. Now you change, God says, I don't change. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is the Son of Man that he should repent. That means to change. His character doesn't change. 
Hath God said, and shall he not do it? He's true to his word. Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? He's faithful. Well, I just, you know, I I thought I would have it by now. No, 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 he's faithful. I didn't need it then. He's faithful. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 29, And also the strength of Israel, this is God, will not lie nor repent. He will not change. That's what the word means. For he is not a man that he should repent. He's God. We live by our emotions, our, our sinfulness makes us unfaithful. He is faithful. He's true to his word. And then here's one. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Faith is not a feeling. It's an assurance. It's a, it's a quiet confidence. It's not arrogance. It's because you know God. You, and listen, as you know, as you know more of God, your, your faith grows. If you know some, well, I know him, he's a little bit arrogant. Well, then he's not full of faith. Because a man that is, is full of faith is full of humility. The Bible says of Stephen two times that he was full of faith. He was not an arrogant man. He just knew God. It's interesting, when he died, that the Bible says that Jesus Christ stood up. And it's only the only person in the Bible that Jesus stood up for at the right hand of God was, was Stephen. A man full of faith. When Simon Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration with James and John, it was a, a very emotional experience. And uh, <clears throat> Jesus' inner character, where he was transfigured, the Bible says that his countenance was radiant like the sun. They couldn't behold him. They fell down. They had to cover their face. His, his garment began to glow. I remember when, I think it was Mount Tabor, I believe. I was in Israel, and our guide said, this is Tabor. And we saw it across the Kidron Valley there. And I thought, wow, I couldn't help but stare at it. It was snow-capped. That's where Jesus was transfigured. And there was this emotional experience, one of the highlights of his life. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, he wrote about this experience. Look at it. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came, look at this, such a voice. I want you to notice the word voice. To him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son. That's what the Father said, and whom I am well pleased. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard. We were with him in the holy mount. Now, notice what Peter said here. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do take well that ye take heed. The word take heed means to to pay attention to. It has the idea of drawing close to, to embrace. And he said, that was a very emotional time for me. But he said, we have a more sure word than literally hearing the voice of God and having that emotional experience and the more sure word is the word of God. That's what he's saying. And listen, the word of God, listen carefully, is a living book. That means when you read it, it lives, it speaks to you. It changes you. There's a word in, in 
the old English that's uses the word quick. The quick and the dead, it means the living and the dead. We've been quickened, we've been made alive, we've been resurrected. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick. It doesn't mean fast, it means living. For the word of God is living, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. You see, there's no other book like the Bible. When you read the Bible, the Bible speaks to you. Engage yourself with the Bible. And, and on a daily basis, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day, engage, read the Bible and look for the strength and the character of God, particularly, and let God speak to you. In John chapter 6 and verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. I mean, a body without the spirit, the spirit is what animates the body. You just have a lifeless body. It's soulless. It's dead. It is a spirit that gives it life. And then he says, the words that I speak unto you, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life. Some of you, you don't enjoy this book because it doesn't speak to you. If, if you're saved, if you're saved, the Bible will speak to you. Now, there are some times, because of your spiritual condition, it speaks more. But if you can read this Bible over and over and over, something's wrong. Jesus said... This book is spirit, it's life. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, you see this, when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually, notice this, effectually worketh also in you that believe. The two words effectually worketh in the original language are one word. And if I were to put it up here in the Greek language, you would see it's the word energy. And it really means it means to be effective in a powerful way. This book will change your life. And one of the things, and here it says it effectually works in us that believe. And one of the ways it effectually works in us is it stirs in us, it builds in us, more faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 6, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh. Now watch this, watch this, speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart. Okay, so I'm having a conversation with myself and God. Who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall ascend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? What says the scriptures? The word is nigh thee. The Bible is is close to me. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart. It's there. Now what am I going to do with it? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So here's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to confess. God, I believe that. 
And the Bible says that I'm saved. Well, when the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith, this is how you cultivate more faith, too. It's the same thing. As you said, God, I believe that. I believe you'll do that for me. You'll do that for my family. You will take care of that. You read the promises of God. You read about God. And that begins to build up. And the word of God is near you. It's nigh unto thee. It's the word of faith. And then you confess and you believe that. This is not creating doctrine that is away from the Bible. This is doctrine that's already in the Bible. Listen carefully to this. It is not whether you can summon up strength to have faith. This is not having faith in faith. But it is whether or not you will rest in one that is stronger than you are. That's the issue. It's not trying to summon up, well, I want to have more faith. I want to be like him. No. Is I'm going to rest. And in some ways, there is a passivity, and then we'll talk about the action part of it later. But there is a resting. Where God, I can't do this. I turn it over to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to worry about this. I believe you. Now, if you want to do this, let me give you one idea and I'm going to dismiss you. When you're looking, there's three things you want to look for, but I don't, I'm at a time. I'm just going to give you one thing to look for, and this is your assignment. And I said, when you read the Bible, you're, you're looking for the strength of God and for the character of God daily, every day. But I want to, along with that, let me give you one thing. Is look, number one, look for who God is. Look for who He is. As you read the Bible, look for the character of God. As you're reading the Bible, find out who He is. This will change your life. In fact, whenever you read the Bible, when I'm reading a passage, I'm always trying to find out who who is God in this passage. What attribute of God is seen here? One man said that, The key to building faith is meditating upon the attributes of God. Then you need to know those attributes. And so you're looking for God's strength. Now I've taught you this. It's been a long time ago since I taught this. But many years ago, um, I I began to do this, especially as I would read through the book of Psalms. uh, Because this is in the book of Psalms over and over again. I would ask this question, or really kind of a fill-in-the-blank thing. God is my blank. And it's other places too, but especially in the Old Testament. But it's really all over the place. And, and let me say this to encourage you. When you're reading the Bible, and you come to something you don't understand, and you will. Because it happens to me all the time. It did this morning, two times in, in this sermon. And I took time on my blue letter Bible on my phone to look it up. But when you, when you come to that place, just take a note. I don't know what that word means. I don't know what that means. And if you need help, come to one of your pastors or go, or go to somebody and ask them. And you say, well, you will know. Well, maybe we won't know. But we will help you. And we'll discover it together. So don't be intimidated. You see, you can't learn anything by, if you already knew it, you wouldn't be reading it. So don't let that discourage you. So I'm reading through Psalms, and God is my blank. Now, let me illustrate this with a passage. In Psalm 91, 
verses 1 and 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. And that's filled with it. There's more in that passage, but just the first two verses. Let's go back to verse 1. The secret place of the Most High, the shadow of the Almighty, they speak of the mercy seat where the angels would bend over and then they would provide a shadow there. And the, the idea is intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. God is my secret place. He is my mercy seat. God, you are my communion. There's a lot of different pl- names you could put. God, this is who you are. You are my propitiation. You, you are my atonement. God is my... And you begin to think about this. You don't just read the Bible. There, I had my devotions. It's not how many times you've been through the Bible. It's how many times the Bible's been through. I'd rather for you to read half a verse and get something out of it than to read four hours and just say, I read four hours of the Bible today. Satan knows the Bible better than you do in terms of memory and what pay, what's on the page. But I, I want the Bible to go through you. God is my mercy seat. He is my fellowship. He is my companion. God loves me. God is my, and I take this thought, and I just marinate in it. And it draws my heart to Him. And it builds my faith in terms of He's my Father, and I ultimately trust Him in the most difficult of times. I will say of the Lord, He is my warrior. He fights my battles for me. He is my refuge. You don't think these people down in Baton Rouge and New Orleans know about refuge right now? He's my refuge. You're going through a storm. He's my protector. He is my fortress. He is my God. And and notice the word my. He's my personal God. In Him will I trust. And, And here's the idea is you're refocusing your mind because you're either seeing God, listen, you're either seeing God through your problem or you're seeing your problem through God. And you're not going to increase your faith as long as you see God through your problems. Now, I've taught you this, I've taught you this, and I've taught you this. Don't gaze at your problem and glance at God. You'll become a grumbler and a griper. Well, I, just, I don't have this. And God, you just care about it. that blah, blah. No, you gaze at God and you glance at your problem. It's okay to glance at your problem. But you gaze at Him and you gaze at Him by by getting in the Psalms, saying, God is my. And you soak in that. And here's what happens every day, every day, every day. Now, remember what I told you last week? That the average person spends two hours and 40 minutes on Facebook. And they spend 40 minutes on YouTube. What would happen to your faith? And that may not be your thing. But if you took time and every day, remember compound interest, I've been talking to you about that. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you, just, you, you did what I taught you. And just every single day, that's what you did. God is, you begin to gaze at God and, and you reversed it. 
You wouldn't be a griper anymore. You wouldn't be a complainer. You wouldn't be negative. You would be hopeful. Let him call you Pollyanna. So what? Let him call you that. He's a good God. He's a big God. And he loves you. He has a great plan. When I was a little boy, my aunt lived over here in Clubview Apartments. I think it is off Airport Road. And she invited us to go over there swimming. So daddy was working and mom took us over there. And so uh, they had a little shallow area and had a little children's area. I actually looked it up on the uh, Google Earth earlier this week and kind of rekindled that memory. And uh, she kept trying to get me. I was the oldest. She said, won't you jump off the, the deep end? Melanie was always a daredevil. You know, I was more conservative and she was always a daredevil. Hoss was really little. He was real little. And so mom probably had him over there in the shade somewhere. And so she said, uh, won't you jump off the diving board here? Well, I knew that was deep. I didn't want to get in the deep. So finally she coaxed me up on the diving board. And she said, jump in. And I said, no. And she was there and I could see her dog paddling in the water. You know, just paddling away. She said, jump in. I said, no, I didn't want to say I'm afraid because that was, didn't sound very good. Even from a little kid, I, had my, I just said, no. Got down, you know, sat down on the board. She said, jump in. I said, no. Said, I'll catch you. So you will? I will catch Because I thought, well, she's just going to let me go in. And then at the last, she said, no, I will catch you. When she said that, that made a difference. I will catch you. I thought, okay, am I going to trust her? I stood up on the board. I will catch you. At some point, I jumped off the board. I jumped into the water, and she caught me. Took me over the side. I went around. I did it again and again and again. Then when we came back a couple weeks later, I did it again. Until at some point, I was able to jump into the water without her catching me. And my faith increased. But initially, listen, initially, my confidence was in the ability and in the character of my aunt. Now, God is asking some of you folks to do something. And he's saying, I will catch you. I will catch you. And here's what you're saying, because I've done it. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Can I ask you a question? Why would you trust your never dying soul? Your never dying soul to keep you out of hell. But you won't trust God with every other area of your life. It doesn't make sense. And for the rest of my life, for the rest of my days, for the rest of your days, we're going to be trusting God. And that's how, that's how we experience God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so therefore walk ye in Him. This is, this is His plan. Now, you may not like it, but this is His plan. You know, Huntsville has a lot of uh, engineers. That's not a bad thing unless you always want every, the equation to balance out. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes I go through, mm, no. I'm not going to give you the answer. 
and it's going to drive you crazy. And it's going to frustrate you. And at some point, you're going to say, God, that number is not adding up, but I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to trust my intuitiveness. I'm not going to trust my experience. I'm not going to trust my emotions because my, my, I don't want to jump off. But I'm going to trust you because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. God is my, I know who you are. And I know who's going to catch me. And I know it's going to be okay. The quality of your life and the effectiveness of your ministers in proportion to your faith. If you increase that, the quality and the effectiveness increases. What is God asking of you to trust Him in? And this week, in two weeks, would you trust Him? Would you believe Him to bring someone here so they could hear the gospel in two weeks? Would you bow your heads with me if you would?